0: Hello and welcome to Caregiver Stories podcast, where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott. I am a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they're ready. To continue to educate those who don't know about dementia and what to do if their loved one is diagnosed. And most of all, number one thing to me is to get those talking about this symptom and having the tough conversation about what if your loved one is diagnosed, then what do you do? What's the plan? I wish my mom and I had had that tough conversation before she was diagnosed you want to share your story or have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on the Caregivers Stories podcast, visit thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can pick the platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, but now Amazon, Alexa, SoundCloud, and a couple others. But now that's out of the way, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Leah Stanley. Hello, Leah.
1: Hey, Kimberly. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your time and being here today, connecting, I should say, on this podcast. So give listeners a little background on who you are and what led you to do the work that you do now.
1: Well, basically, I was an ordinary human being at the age of 29. I had been married for eight whopping months when suddenly my grandparent, the bottom fell out. And I had known prior to that that something was wrong. I could tell there was a problem in just conversation, particularly with my grandmother. She was the talker in the group. My grandfather was very quiet, but my grandmother was the spokesperson. And so her talk had become garbled. It had become confused. It had become repetitive. But at twenty nine years old, I had just had my wedding. I had, you know, I was I was professionally getting my career. I have a degree in journalism and I was getting my corporate career off to a head start. Everything was going along fine when suddenly I received a phone call from my grandparents' neighbor. Now, my grandparents at that time lived about two and a half hours away from me. And I received a phone call that they had been out in the car. They left on a Saturday morning. They were found four days later, two and a half hours from their home, and it was unbelievable. The car had been sort of banged up on the passenger side, no understanding of what happened there. That, we never did know what happened
0: there. Wait, what do you mean found? So were they?
1: They were found by a, another driver actually found them on the side of the road with this wrecked car and a flat tire. Wow! This man helped my grandfather change his tire, but just by talking to them, he could tell something wasn't right. So he Mm -hmm. called the sheriff, the sheriff then made arrangements to get them back to their house, but ironically left them in the care of the neighbor, never attempted to contact any family, me, or or for that matter, anyone else. And uh, it was just very shocking when it Mm -hmm. all happened. And so, you know, my husband and I had to sort of stop everything and head up there. And my mom and my husband and I go up there. We take them that same day to that we get there, take them to a physician, and they are at that point diagnosed. My grandfather was diagnosed with what the doctor referred to as an unspecified dementia, Uh and my grandmother's was specifically Alzheimer's type. So they were diagnosed on the same day with essentially the same malady, just it, it manifested in slightly different ways how heartbreaking it was. It was, well, it was shocking. It was devastating. There was a wide range of emotions. And so as I went through that entire experience of taking care of them, the entire process from getting that first phone call all the way up through probating, the final will Mm. was about a four-year process. And Mm. when it was done, you know, I laugh As a journalist, what was I going to do? I was going to write about it. So I (laughs) processed the situation that I experienced as a caregiver Uh and particularly at that age, just so, so very green, so very ignorant of all of those types of things. You know, the information that's required to do elder care, I knew nothing. Yeah. And nobody ever does really. Most people rarely. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to put this story in writing. And so I did. So the book I wrote is called *Goodnight Sweet, A Caregiver's mm-hmm. Long Goodbye. And in that book, I detail out the story from, like I said, the start to the very end. And I talk, I try to be very candid about the fact, the emotions that go along with being a caregiver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all get this sort of ideal in our heads of like, oh, of course we want to care for our loved ones. Oh, I would just sacrifice anything. And yes, <laughs> you would. But there are, yeah, and you do. But there are days that you are just worn out with it. Yeah. And you just think if that nursing home calls one more time with another report, I'm going to rip my phone off the wall. That's yeah. you know back in the old days, that's what we used to have was a phone <laughs> on the wall. You remember that. <laughs>
0: yeah. So how many years was it to give a little perspective sure. from the time that you were in the doctor's office with them to the time that they passed
1: it was almost three years for my grandmother. And it was a full year after that, that her will was probated. So my entire process started in 1997 and finished up in 2000. Wow! And January of 1997, so at the very beginning of that year, and at the very end of 2000 was when everything was finally finished. Mm-hmm. And by comparison, my story is very short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am familiar with many, um, you talked about some of the Alls authors, mm-hmm. uh, fantastic collection of stories, people yeah. just like me who have lived it. Mm-hmm. And every one of them are fantastic because every one is a personal experience. Yes. Everyone is someone telling you, this is what I lived. This yeah. is what I experienced. Yeah. This is what it yeah. looked like for me. Yeah. And they each story is going to be unique. They each bring something unique to the table. Yeah. And every one of them are talking about having long tenures of oh, yeah. caregiving. And some of these stints can run Oh
0: my goodness, 10, 12 years yeah, or longer. My, the doctor said that when my mom was diagnosed. It could be two years, it could be 20. You just exactly. never know. So
1: exactly, just be you, prepared. <laughs> you want to provide great care. But as I said, caregiving is an arduous task. It is yeah. labor intensive. Mm-hmm. It is emotional. Yes. It takes a physical toll. It can take a financial toll. Yes. There's no part of your life that it doesn't affect. Yes, and, and especially hard. if
0: you're, you were the the granddaughter that, you know, chose to help, or I don't know, I'm just assuming, but if you went with your mom, I'm assuming that, you know, because I would do that, I would have done that. But there are some people who just kind of get voted it because of other family dynamics. I've, you know, have friends that that occurred, but you just never know. And everybody's story is different. The interaction together with that, you know, like you and your grandparents totally probably different 100 percent than you know me and my mom or a spouse and you know i can't even imagine your grandparents knowing they both know there's something wrong but they're trying to be in there for each other and supporting each other that day that they're found on the side of the road and they don't want to say or they don't know you know exactly
1: exactly and that was really the state that they were in by the time i got involved in the situation Mm -hmm. it had advanced well past the beginning stages again Mm -hmm. i had such ignorance in the beginning I could tell you, oh, Kimberly, listen to what's happened to my grandparents. Do you know what she said to me today? And Mm -hmm. I could tell you all about the repetitive, how she told me over and over that Mm -hmm. her brother-in-law had died, things like that. But to tell you what to do about it, Mm -hmm. I had no clue, no idea. And ironically, my family dynamic, the reason, and, and this is one of those questions I get asked a lot is, well, you were the granddaughter, why were you taking care of the business, what happened? Well, the reason was, their son was my father. He was Uh my biological father and he had decided that living his life the way he wanted to was more important than anything else. So he got in his truck and he drove away and that was the last anyone ever saw of him. Mm. So sadly, my grandparents were kind of in a a weird situation. They did have the one son, but he was not there for them. So my grandparents and I, thank God, we had had a beautiful relationship, Mm -hmm. a very close, wonderful relationship. So when my grandparents did make their final last will and testament papers, their durable power of attorney papers, they chose me Mm -hmm. to serve as their, well, they named each other to serve as power of attorney for each other. Mm -hmm. She named him, he named her. But in the event that one was not able to act for the other, I was named as the alternate. Well, Mm -hmm. obviously, with them both being diagnosed on the same day, I had to assume that role for both of them.
0: Yeah. So that's where that
1: came from. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. I have a friend that she was asked to be, she was the grandchild because Mm -hmm. there was other dynamics going on. So she was the grandchild. Exactly.
1: And I think every family has that. Unfortunately, it seems like there's someone who either Maybe they should do it, and they choose not to, Mm -hmm. or for whatever reason, this one's not available, so this one gets chosen, and so it's it's odd sometimes how that can do, but one good thing that my grandparents had done was they planned ahead. It was the funniest thing. My grandmother had cared for her own father, and he also had some form of dementia. It was undiagnosed, but looking back now, knowing what I know now, I certainly see absolutely that's what he had functioning. And so she had a notion. She realized the situation. She said, you know, somebody may need to care for me and I need to be prepared. So she and my grandfather had actually gone to an attorney four years prior to their Mm. actual need developing. So they had already gone to the attorney. They had seen to everything. And the power of attorney document that my grandparents provided me to function for them was the durable power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And it was that document that gave me the authority to act even if they became incapacitated. Mm -hmm. There are regular powers of attorney, health care, some for Mm -hmm. finance. If it's a non-durable power of attorney, it will cease to function in the event of the person being incapacitated. Mm -hmm. So my grandparents talked the situation over with their lawyer, and he very wisely counseled them to choose durable power of attorney. And Mm -hmm. it turned out that was an excellent choice. Very, very helpful to me and ultimately to them.
0: Yeah. Most people don't do that. I've spoken to a lot of people since I've started this podcast and you know, some had long-term care, some had, but they did not in advance, not yet, Right. that their loved one that they were caring for had that durable power of attorney in advance. Exactly.
1: So, and that is yeah. so key. I actually yeah. had a doctor in an emergency room tell me, he said, you are so lucky that they have these documents in place. He mm-hmm. said, if they did not, there would not be a thing we could do for them. And that shocked me. Of course, this was also 23 years ago. So I'd like to think maybe something has changed that yeah. if a hospital could see that a patient was incapacitated as my grandparents be. clearly were. Yeah, Maybe they could step in. But at that time, he told me, he said, without the proper documents, he said, there would be nothing we could do. Yeah, And I remember just thanking God that we had those documents, mm-hmm. that they had the foresight because as tough as it was, we had actually had the conversations, just like you were talking about, we had had some, you know, a little bit of bandy back and forth, you know, oh, if anything ever happens to grandpa or me, here's, you know, now you make sure you know that we do not want to be resuscitated. We Uh want blah, 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 whatever it was. Yeah. And so I did have some idea because we had had the discussions. However, I am telling you, there were so many things that as they would come up, I would think, oh my gosh, let me go ask her what oh wait, yeah. I can't. And it would wash over me that almost panic of like, what oh, yeah. am I gonna do? Yeah. It yeah. was an alarming, upsetting, and that was the funny thing, even being prepared, it was hard. Yes. So can you imagine the person going through this who is not prepared, who yes. has not had the discussions, etc. Yes. Like you said.
0: I'm telling part people, party. have this discussion. <laughs> absolutely and nobody we you know we talk about so many other things but we don't talk about the what if you live you know it's the what right. if you die you know you talk about you know right. all this other stuff that but what if you live and are you prepared for that and we're all living longer so mm-hmm. have that conversation cuz as prepared as my mom was for a lot of things this was not one of them and exactly. i very much was overwhelmed the first 2 years and the first name of this podcast had the word burden in it, and everybody was like, "That's harsh, Kimberly." I was like, "But I, <laughs> I want them to understand that if my mom knew, and I would never say this to her, she's still alive and physically very healthy, just no short term memory. But if she knew mm. of the stress and overwhelmingness that she gives to, you know, any of us, you know, myself, my stepdad, my brother, you know, she would be horrified." That's true. That's you know, true. And I, I feel like people should understand that. I would do anything for my mother and still do. Uh, you know, she comes first, but it's a burden if you don't start having this conversation with your children or your loved one or whoever it is that you want to take care of you, you know, well, or it not is. take care of you.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> ironically, while the person who's incapacitated has no sense that anything is taking place. Correct think in terms of when you're trying to plan ahead, okay, the person who's going to care for me is going to have not only my business to handle, but their mm-hmm. own business. Yeah. So the caregiver's life doesn't just stop. Nope. You know, the caregiver still has a mortgage. The caregiver yep. still has to go to the dentist. The Children, in your case, you just had a child. That is correct. <laughs> I, my first child was born wow. just before my grandmother passed away. So at one point they actually overlapped. I discussed that in the book at one point when they called me and let me know, Hey, listen, things are looking pretty critical for Mrs. Mead. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm and I had angst. I sat on my couch with my little two-month-old boy. I'm yeah. changing him into his pajamas, and I'm looking at my husband going, I need to get to that nursing home, but I need to stay here, but I need to be up there. Uh-huh. What am I going to do? And those are the real things, and you're right, and people listening need to understand you are not a bad person uh-huh. because you reach a point where you don't want to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the energy
0: or the brain capacity because it happens either, if not daily, it'll happen, you know, weekly, something will occur because I talk to her every day. Exactly. And when I'm there, because I go there once a month, the energy you need to keep yourself going so that you can keep them going or doing for them is just overwhelming. Sure. And If
1: you walk in the room and you have a scowl on your face and yes. you start sounding off to them about, oh my gosh, I got stuck in traffic. And then I got in here and they stopped me at the door and told me blah, 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 whatever. And, and you start unloading on that person. This is not the optimal <laughs> caregiving environment. Correct. And I, I, we say it a little laughingly, but the truth is that's life. Traffic yeah. does tie you up. Lord, I live in Houston.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. All the time it ties you up. It does. I mean, day and night, you know, you're going to run
1: into traffic and it's just part of life. The reality is the caregiving role is so, so difficult. And it's best if we just acknowledge that on the front end. This is one reason I spend a lot of time on Twitter, a lot of time on my Facebook page talking about please, caregivers. please, please take a break. It's healthy. It's right. When this thing first started with my grandparents in 1997, my husband and I had our first anniversary that May. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about, wouldn't it be nice to go somewhere for our first anniversary? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I can't. I can't Uh. leave. The nursing home may call. They may need me. And my husband and I had to talk through that. And we actually did elect to take about, I think it was about five days we took Uh And drove down to the coast in Florida and we sat on the beach and did nothing. Mm -hmm. It was the best thing I could do for my grandparents. And that's the gospel truth. Yes. Because I came back and I had a fresh perspective. I was Mm -hmm. able to walk in that door and my grandparents had always loved to travel, so guess what I now had in my arsenal, so to speak, was conversation about a trip. Hey, yes. Grandma, listen to this. We just went to florida here 's what we did. yeah, next thing you know she could remember back how many, many, many years ago, and she started telling me so now what 's happened we 're engaged yeah. in conversation, yeah, and I would watch her come alive. my grandfather too so there are so many ways that a caregiver can do things to take care of themselves. Yeah. You and it's not, and, and not, feel
0: bad, not feel bad about it. Like, exactly. No guilt. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, guilt, let's talk about when you need to feel guilt. Let's <laughs> say that you go away on your six-month trip. You never call. You never check in. Okay. You know, yeah. we're exaggerating a little bit, yeah. but imagine a person in a scenario like that. I'm the yeah. caregiver, but I just, I'm totally absent. Yeah okay, there may be a little room for some guilt at that point. Maybe you do need to kind of come alive and take that role seriously. But for the caregiver who is so engaged and who is so involved, Mm -hmm. you can burn out easily. As a matter of fact, these statistics support the fact that there are multiple caregivers who actually die before the person that they are providing care for. Yes.
0: Caregiving can kill the caregiver.
1: It absolutely can. Yeah. So it's like anything else, any other stress, you simply cannot let it take your whole life balance. You yes. must balance it. But yes. it is hard. It is really, really hard because you do feel really, really guilty.
0: Yeah. Cause you so, if you don't know what you don't know. If you haven't had a conversation, which most people have not, like you are rare and mm-hmm. it's a rarity that people have this conversation and so you you're not prepared. And then when it happens to you, you're going, oh my gosh, what do I do first? Mm-hmm. And you, like, I was in a constant state for a year and a half, two years of, oh my gosh, I got to get this done. Um, you know, like, okay, do this, do this. Like, you know, and just right. guiding from people giving me advice, you know, I couldn't even stop to listen or read. You know, I wish I had found the author's website to yes. you know, find all those great books. But now I tell everyone about them and I tell everybody to have a conversation because if you don't, then it's not going to be a good result in the end. Well, it
1: will save you. you stress if you right. will do that. And yes. the, like I said, as I mentioned, I think I said earlier, as prepared as I was in the mm-hmm. sense that my grandparents no. had. had the conversation as prepared as we were as far as the paperwork Uh let me tell you something at 29 when the bottom fell out like it did and i'm Uh standing in a doctor's office looking at me saying well you see she has this alzheimer's and he has dementia Uh i didn't know what to do i felt just totally shocked totally disconnected I, i say shocked I guess I expected to hear something like that. But again, mm-hmm. at 29, I didn't really know what it was. The yeah. word dementia to me was a technical term that I had learned in a psychology class in college. Mm. And that's when I recall hearing discussion about dementia. So to me, it was like an academic term. Oh yeah. I, I remember. I, I answered some questions on a test about that. Yeah, And suddenly they're using this term and it's a real term. You yeah. know, when patients are diagnosed, my stepfather actually did recently pass away. He had cancer. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, when someone is diagnosed with cancer, everyone hears that word. Everyone knows what that means, yes. essentially. I mean, you yeah. know, again, it's going to look different for each patient, but there's a, there's a broad understanding. When you hear the term dementia, yeah. you don't have as clear of an understanding. We hear Alzheimer's, And we think, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's that memory disease. Yeah. Well, as I always like to tell people, the reality is that all Alzheimer's is dementia, but not all dementia is is Alzheimer's.
0: Correct. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And
1: there are so many different types. There are hundreds, as I've come to understand, Mm -hmm. hundreds of different types and they manifest in different ways. Yep. And I mean, one might say, well, it's kind of an umbrella term and it all kind of comes down to the same thing. Yeah, I guess essentially Mm -hmm. it does. It affects the personality. It affects the memories. certainly affected the mood of my grandparents, my grandfather in particular. Mm -hmm. Saw a lot of mood swings with him. Just a lot of things like that. But it was all foreign to me.
0: What's one thing you would want people to know about dementia?
1: I would say first things first, talk to the doctor who's diagnosing. Uh This would be a gerontologist, this would be a neurologist, Uh people like that who are qualified to make that diagnosis, steer Uh clear if someone that that's not their area and they start throwing terms out, have Uh it verified. Uh Once you have a definite diagnosis, I really encourage learn as much as you can Uh and try to determine as best you can what type they have. Sometimes the type is very clear, Alzheimer's manifests in a specific way, Lewy mm-hmm. body dementia, vascular dementia, a lot of times there's a result of a stroke, mm-hmm. things like that, frontotemporal disorders, these are all types of dementia, those actually are the four most commonly diagnosed types of dementia, but the best thing to do as a caregiver is certainly get educated, try to find out what's going on with your loved one. And be very careful when you talk to your friend, your cousin, your coworker, because they will all say, "Oh yes, my aunt so-and-so had that." And let uh-huh. me tell you what that was about. Well, your situation may look different. So then you yeah. start questioning, "Oh, wait, maybe it's not the same. Maybe it's something else. That business of being so unsure, you know, yeah. that can leave you hanging out there and feeling terrible. So yeah. get as much education as you can, because the more you know about yeah. how they've been diagnosed, you'll have a better idea how to mm-hmm. approach them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Don't be embarrassed field. and don't be ashamed like like you talked about exactly. before. It's, it's something that more and more of us will be diagnosed with cuz we're we're living longer and the at the rate of people turning 65, you know, the baby boomers are booming.
1: Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's, and again, you know, there's healthy living, so people as you say, people are living longer. Mm-hmm. I'm actually working with some folks right now to get a caregiving conference put together for this Ah. fall and here in the Houston area. And one of the things that we are talking about that we want to actually address with caregivers uh-huh. because consider, generally speaking, where the caregivers are in their 40s, 50s, yep. maybe even early
0: some, 60s. Some 30s.
1: <laughs> some, well, again, yeah. I was 29, so yeah. I was definitely the exception to the yeah. norm. I was uh-huh. certainly not the norm. But one of the things that we are wanting to address is the idea of talking to the caregivers at this point and say, okay, yeah. if you know you're living in a society where people are living longer, uh-huh. So, what are you doing right now in your 40s and your 50s to do everything you can to ensure a healthy aging process? Uh-huh. And what are you looking at? You know, what kind of lifestyle do you have? Are you exercising regularly? I mean, yeah. these are all the things that you, you hear from the doctor, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a real connection. It's yeah. a real I could see it. It was so funny with my grandparents, my grandmother tended to be very sedentary. She sat, Uh she read, she did a lot of sewing and handwork and crochet and these things. My grandfather was a man of action. He was Uh out walking his dog. He was tending to his cows. He was very active and physically Uh robust going through his entire life. Coincidentally, as they aged, she was in a much more advanced dementia state Uh than he was. Uh It was noticeable. Now, he clearly, he was not where he could take care of himself, but he was certainly not as bad as she was. And so for me, that was like a living example. I was like, my gosh, they're right. Yeah. What I've read, what I've heard everybody talk about, you know, that the exercise, and of course, diet is so key. Yes. And lifestyle. Are you getting enough sleep? Sleep yes. is just it's, it's fantastic. It <laughs> scrubs the brain and yeah. it allows it to reset and refresh. So it's yeah. it's wonderful.
0: I started eating organic and trying to have my mom eat more organic, you know, just I really paid more attention. I'm not hundred percent, you know, either way, but I do my best to just read the labels and absolutely now because mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely stuff that we've Eaten all these years, she's physically very healthy. She plays tennis three or four days a week, and that's probably what's kept her as stable over the last seven years. Is you know, with medication, but I imagine activity, yeah, is very key. So I'm trying to not just ever sit still. I'm you know, right. Do as much right. activity of whatever it is and learning as humanly possible. What's something that you learned about yourself from being a caregiver?
1: It was so funny to me how I realized how much i needed the support of my own family my husband my mom ironically even though their son had been a terrible husband to her when they were married he had committed bigamy it was it was unbelievable what he did even in spite of everything that went on there my mother and my grandparents actually remained in an excellent relationship very close and so when all of this happened my mother was immediately on board absolutely let me come up there with you and see what i can do to help And my husband and my mother together, I mean, the three of us tag teamed and we truly worked it out together, talked through it together. They made an excellent sounding board for me Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, you know how it is when you're younger, you do know everything. Yeah. I mean, I have two teenagers, and I assure you, they know everything, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but the truth was, at 29, you know, I still felt like, yeah, I can do this. I can handle this. Yeah. Well, it did not take long. It was not very far into that journey before I began to realize the value of yeah. these assets that were around me in the form of my mom and in the form of my husband. And my husband was—he was a rock star because here he was. We were newly married and he entered into this thing with me. Yeah. He never acted like, well, that's your problem. I was so blessed and I'm so, so thankful yeah. to have had his support because he would pop over to the nursing home, take my grandfather out and they would, he'd go get his hair cut and he'd take him and get him a cup of coffee or whatever, just something nice. And he would do it without me. It wasn't like, okay, well, I'll go with Leah and do this. No, my husband was amazing. And so, that to me was one of the most surprising things because again, I was still kind of a young enough woman that I sort of still thought I could do a lot on my own. Yeah. Listen, this is not a solo event. Yeah. And if you are in a place, if a caregiver is in a place where they are by themselves, they do not have perhaps a spouse or a sibling or, or a parent that can help them out. My goodness, seek out people. I know yeah. churches yeah. are just filled with people who are always looking for ways to volunteer. Yeah. How can we you know, get involved with helping you? What can we do to help? I'm telling you, the help is there. Reach out for yeah. it. The Alzheimer's Association, I believe, has a lot of people who volunteer, mm-hmm. take part in caregiving events and things like that. So yes, th- the help is there. Absolutely take don't advantage it on, of it.
0: Yeah, don't do it on your own. Right. Sure. Start right. asking for, for help. It took me a bit to do that, but I definitely mm-hmm. started... Asking and and giving up things to exactly. people that were willing to help me. So
1: that's right. That's,
0: that's great advice. How can folks get a hold of you if they have more questions, or where can they buy your book?
1: Well, they can get the book on Amazon. It's also available on BarnesandNoble.com. It's available on ChristianBook.com. You can also look on my website, which is just LeahStanley.com. Okay. And I'm available on Twitter at LStanleyBooks and my facebook public page is at l stanley books as well
0: awesome and as soon as the conference i live in the dfw area so i would love to help you promote that if and when that conference comes together for caregivers in houston excellent that excellent that would be a joy for me to tell others about that would be
1: fantastic we can definitely let you know about that for sure
0: it's very much needed you know people need to be talking about these things and that's
1: exactly right people need help people just need to know the help is there yes absolutely
0: well thank you again Leah. i really appreciate you joining me today and sharing your story to the listeners thank you for tuning in today if you know somebody who could use leah's story please share the podcast And while you're there sharing, rate the podcast, if you will, please, on whatever platform you're listening on. And until next week, remember sharing is caring. And to the caregivers listening, take care of yourself first so you can continue to take care of others. And to all those who have not had that tough conversation with your family about the what if something happens and you can no longer take care of yourself, then what? What do you do? What's your plan? Take it from me, the daughter with a mother with dementia, I wish I'd had that tough conversation with her because tomorrow is promised to no one. Thank you, Leah.
1: Thank you so much, Kimberly.